Well, today's an a incredible day for a lot of reasons. Uh, one is the one we just experienced. Our, since uh, most, I don't know how many of you really know the story of how um, the hills got to us, but uh, from the day that, that they had their entrance into our, into our foyer, it's just been an incredible God experience, and today is, is no exception. It's just another expression of how God is moving and working. Um, David and, and Leah had an encounter with the Lord, both separately, where they began to pursue God, God's will for their life and pursue Him as a person. And like many of us, it was their first experience of that. And, they, and, and when they came to, in, to uh, interview, when David came to interview at Louisiana College, um, they looked ahead of time to find a church on the internet that uh, would be like-minded that they could come and visit, and they found us. And I, t- I told them, even to this day, when I go to the internet and try and find us, I can't find us. <laughs> and I know our website, and I can't find us most of the time. I, I know that was a God thing, and, and ever since then, just the, the times that we've shared, we've been doing a life group, new life group in their house uh, for, for the last little bit. And just watching them, watching the change that's going on in their heart, they have experienced what I'm going to talk about today. They're, they've experienced the, the glory that God has revealed uh, to us in our history as, as a gathering place. And uh, just, just the, the beauty of that experience and being able to come off the heels of that, I know that there's probably never been a week, I haven't talked to either one of you about this, but there's probably never been a week or a couple of weeks when God has been more real and personal to you than when you prepared for this worship service. And it's so obvious. And when you see the text today that God's leading me, led me to, and how, uh, how God will unfold this message today, it's, as Will always says, and he discovered also when he started preaching, the, the magic that happens when the Holy Spirit ties everything together and puts a, puts a sermon and worship together. Uh, it's just such a beautiful thing. And man, it just happened today. It happened today. We're going to talk today about uh, some of our history and where we came from. And in, in, in anticipation of a launch of a new church, with some of, the, some of the folks that are going to be helping us to launch the new church have not been in this church and are here today uh, to hear this message, and I appreciate that. Others are having to watch on Facebook. Thank you, Mike, for doing that for a couple more Sundays. Because what we're going to talk about for the next two weeks is, uh, is something that Will and I were praying about and God confirmed, and that is that, that uh, we should take a couple of weeks to talk about who we are and what we're doing as God would lead. So um, I'm thankful, thankful for uh, the experience I've already had with the Lord today because I know what the message is and I've already been able to see uh, how God's been working. So, you know, I appreciate that, that Leah shared that in her quiet time this morning that God reaffirmed this message about uh, uh, out of sorrow, some of us are worshiping today. Out of, out of hurt and pain, some of us are worshiping. And there, I know for a fact that the Lord corrected my vision of what would happen in Colleen at the very beginning to say that he was going to send weak people to our church, to this new church in um, I didn't know what that meant, but I, I found out <laughs> very quickly after that. Matter of fact, the day that I began to, uh, that I read that passage and God began to speak that consistently within a number of different places that morning, God sent a couple who was, 
who's, who have been disconnected from church for a long time. Haven't seen them in my office, hidden grounds. Hadn't seen them there ever. And they walked in, and God connected us. And since that time, God has led numerous people to call me who I haven't been in touch with for years, who are having problems, are disconnected for whatever reasons, are having struggles, and they've called to, 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 to reach out for help. I know, I know now what, that, what the Lord means when he says weak. We, we, we're going to be weak. And of course, I'm going to be the pastor, so weak is good. I get it. I love that. And the passage that the Lord gave me was, you know, was it's in our weakness that God has made strong. And so that's a message for all of us. We, if, you, if you feel like you're strong, you need to embrace weakness, right? And, uh, and, and the Lord has done that. He's done that in my life. He's brought me to a weak place uh, of dependence on him. And he'll do that the same for all of us. So this, this past week, I came across this text that we're going to study today in 1 John in my morning study. And it was confirmation that I should use, uh, confirmation from the Lord that I should, first of all, be speaking for the next two weeks. Um, but also that what I should say as we prepare to move forward in God's call. And let me just say this, you know, um, we've talked a lot over the last few weeks about Colleen. But the word that the Lord's been giving both Will and I and the elders has been that this is a, this is a fresh start for all of us. This is a time when everybody who's a, who calls themselves a Gathering Place member uh, needs to refocus on the vision that God's given us and the call that he's given us as a church. Some people are going to have to step up into positions they've never done here. There are going to be voids here. Gonna, there's going to be a need for, for more people to, to step up and reach out in places where you may not feel comfortable. Uh, and so just be praying and seeking and, and hear these messages for all of us. Today, uh, we're going to read out of 1 John, and John is writing to refute uh, false teaching. Uh, there were some teachers who were teaching that, Christ was, that Jesus was not the Christ, uh, that, that he couldn't be because of where he came from, and he was human, and they doubted his, the divinity and humanity and the way that those things connected. They had problems believing that God could be in human form. They were fine with the concept of Christ, of the Christ and the Messiah. They had studied that, just not the person of Jesus Christ. Y'all with me? They, they liked the idea, the concept of what the Old Testament taught and what, what they learned growing up in the, in the temple and synagogue, that there would be a Messiah that would come. But they didn't like the idea that he took on the form of a, of a, of a man from Nazareth who would was ultimately crucified. They didn't like that idea. And so they were refuting that, that Jesus was the Christ. And so John writes this, this letter to the church. It's not to a specific church, so I like that because it's for all of us. But they, uh, he's, he's writing to the whole church about this idea or the reality of Christ. And so as we, as we unfold this, this is what I want to, I believe was kind of a premise that God brought me to as I was thinking about just the context of 1 John and how, in our own context. You know, we all here have come out of concepts about Christ. 
We've come out of commitment, deep commitment. Most of us here have come out of deep commitment to concepts and ideas and philosophies about Christ. We've talked about him for years in our churches, and we, most of us grew up in church, and we've heard all the stories about Jesus, and we, we don't deny that those things are true, but for us at the gathering place, there was a time when these things became real to us, when all of a sudden they began to take, take shape in the person of Christ. We started to see Christ as a person and we received him and we follow him and we listen to him and we, we're constantly asking for his guidance in our lives. And I, I think it fits for us because they miss the person of Christ in the midst of their understanding of concepts about Christ. I think we sit right now in, as Gathering Place Church, we sit in a, in a time when there are people all around us who have multiple ideas and concepts about Christ that they grew up with, but they've never really known the reality of the person of Christ in their life. Would y'all agree with that? I mean, most of us, that's, that was our story, and we, we grew up in the ideas, but we never really had an encounter with the person and multiple encounters with the person and a dependence on the person to speak to us. And I believe it's the call of our church to introduce to the world the reality of the person of Christ I believe that's, that's what God has called us to be and to do. Our mission is to lead people to know God, to know his son, Jesus Christ. We have this mission that God's called us to, to know the reality of the person of Christ in a culture of religion that has replaced him with all kinds of things, concepts, ideas, programs, processes, buildings, any number of things. So I love that God brought me to this passage this week in 1 John because I think even the context of 1 John is true for us. We have come out of this and we are speaking to it. We need to see our position within the, the, the communities that we live in and also within the world. God's given us opportunities to, to bring to life the reality of who Jesus is. And so I'm going to bring some of our experiences together. As we walk through this passage, you'll see them clearly. I just want to spend a few minutes in this and give us a challenge at the end. So 1 John chapter 1. I'll start, I'm just going to read through it and, and, and touch on some of these points and show how this relates directly to us. That what John is saying to the church, God is wanting to say to us today. Watch how this happens. Verses 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. So John starts off by, he, he is refuting the religious teachers of his day by speaking what he has come to know about Jesus by experience. The things that we have seen, that we've touched with our hands. The things that we've heard. We, these are things that John knew by experience. He's saying what sets us apart from those guys who are saying that Jesus is not real is we have walked with him. We have watched what he did. We have heard his voice. You know, I have people all the time who, who, are, who doubt whether God continues to speak to us in personal ways. And, and I get that. I understand that. It's, it's hard to pursue God and to, to begin to understand that he wants to speak to us every day and specific things in our life to guide those things. But once you've experienced that, 
You know that you know that you know not only that Jesus is real, but that he's personal. You know, I love the fact that you guys got to prepare worship this week to see how personal God is to your ministry. That he would put this thing together to, te- to, sh- to show you who he is. It's not so we can have a great worship service. It's not so that we can, uh, I mean, uh, uh, great music and good songs and a good selection and that they all match and fit, you know, together in a nice pattern. It's so that we can know God in the preparation of that. And so that you can know God when it comes out and you hear how personal it is. God is personal. And John knew it because he and the other disciples had walked with Jesus. They had seen the miracles. They had seen, uh, heard his, his, his teaching, consistently profound uh, teachings that blew the minds of everybody that, that heard him. They heard him. So John is refuting these religious teachers of his day by saying, we, we speak of what we know. We're not speaking of what. This is not a, what is common in our day today. I hear it all the time. Well, you know, I just feel like God is blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't care how you feel. It's not what you feel. It's not your interpretation. Well, I just think it means, you know, that this is, this is what it's supposed to be. Well, it doesn't matter what you think. Truth is what God is. And, it's who he, and he will reveal himself to you. It's in his word. And it's consistent with his activity in your life. You'll see that and know it. He said that Jesus manifested himself to them. They knew him by experience. They weren't just speaking about what they had heard. And, and look, we have bought into this because Jesus said he would do this for us. In the abiding passages, Jesus said in John 15, 11, he said, if you obey my commands, then I will love you and manifest myself to you. He, he said, as he's about to depart the world, he's telling his disciples, I will continue to manifest myself to you if you will obey my commands. And that's, that's what God's taught us to do in this church. So John knew God. We know God by experience. I don't know how many of you know about the origin of the gathering place. But the origin of the gathering place is very similar to the start of this, of this uh, text. There was a group of us who were studying experiencing God together in another church. As we were walking through the study of experiencing God, we said numerous times, I don't know who all was there. Was it, who, Carrie, were you in that study? Carrie was. I know Aaron was. Just a few of us. You know, Jeff, Talitha. You know, during that study, we, we were all saying, wouldn't it be cool if we could have a church where all we did was just, our goal was to cut everything down to the vine and just let God reveal himself to us. That we would just obey everything he said, that he would define the church from the beginning, that for everything that we did, and prog- programmatically and theologically, and all that we, that we did would be connected to whatever Jesus told us to do. Now we look a lot like a normal church, pretty much. People, you know, some of you walk in, you know, people walk in and hear us for the first time. There's some people here for the first time hearing us today and seeing our worship. We look like a regular church. But there's something different on the inside, right? There's something that God has done in our hearts and is personal. And, and he's led us to, be, to do the things that churches do, which is described in Scripture. But the origin of the gathering place was that. We began to know God by experience through obedience in its individuals in this class. That's what the experience in God's study was about, is coming to know God by experience through obedience. We began to study that and do that, and we thought, wouldn't it be cool if not only in our own personal lives, but in a church, we could, live, we could do this. And that's where we started. So as, as John is talking here about 
what, he, what he heard, with his, uh, heard, what he seen with his eyes, looked upon, touched with his hands, those experiences, that's where this church came from. We dreamed about what it would be like to give that away to others. And I believe when you, dis- when you, when you understand the beauty of God, and this is where we're going to close today. I'm going to come back to this in the end. But when you begin to experience the beauty and the personal touch of God in your life, and you begin to know God by experience, the, it, it fills you up to the degree that you, you want other people to know it. You, get, you see your friends who are still stuck in the old mess and have never come to know the person Christ. And you want to give that away. And, and, and it's natural. It's, when we discover the beauty of God, we naturally want to share him with those who haven't seen him. Look at what John says in verses 3 and 4. He says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you that our joy may be complete. John said that he shared the truth that he discovered about Jesus with others so that the church would be able to join in true fellowship. To join the kind of koinonia fellowship. Koinonia, by the way, is the word that's used there. That kind of fellowship is communion. It's partnership. It's, it's a deep level of fellowship. Communion meaning we share the same values. We have the same heart. And we talk a lot about that in our church, about the fact that we are uh, like-minded at the gathering place. Our practices are not all the same in our churches around the country and around the world. Our practices are very different, but our but our value is the same. And he's going to speak, talk about that message here in just a minute. But we, have, we are in unity with one another. That's why we've proclaimed these things to you. That's why we're thankful that you guys have come to be a part of the gathering place. Because as we speak these words to you, our goal is that you would be able to share in this fellowship with us. This communion to understand the, the, in your heart the reality of God. The, that the person that you would know that he speaks because he speaks to you, that it would change your life the way it changed our lives. Again, I'm, I'm using the hills today as an example because they're first time in leadership, right? But I know that I've watched this happen in their lives. There's nothing like it to see somebody's eyes be opened up to the reality that God is real and personal and speaks to me and guides my life. And when that happens, it's transforming. We want that for everybody. And so we preach that so that we can be in union with one another. That doesn't mean we have to be in the same church building. We have lots of like-minded people around this town, right, who have bought into this. And now the Lord's given us the abiding cycle to send out to people. We have people all over the world who are like-minded because, we're, because of this message that John's talking about here. We've been extremely unified in this church because we discovered Jesus and he's, he's made us like-minded. So what was that, what was John proclaiming? He says, we proclaim this to you so that you, we might be in fellowship. What was he proclaiming that brought fellowship? Look at verses five through 10. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, uh, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So here's the message. That, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And, and that God comes to us and shows us when we see the light of who Christ is. There's two responses that happen. There's either repentance or there's rejection. When we see who He really is, when we recognize that God is more than what a lot of millennials nowadays and, and Gen Zs have understood Him to be, that He's more than just my parents' religion, that he's more than just the practices that my parents did growing up, but that he's a person, a real person, when he reveals himself to us by his spirit. What we do with that revelation is significant. There's two things that John says. This is the message. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so if we walk in the light, if we, if we walk in darkness and we say that, uh, that we know him or we're in fellowship with him, we lie and do not the truth. We're not in koinonia fellowship with God if we're walking in darkness. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about these religious leaders, specifically. These leaders who were saying that Christ was not the Messiah. They didn't see him for who he was. And so they were walking in darkness and saying that they were in the light, that they were walking in fellowship with God. And they continued to teach wrong about God and not receive Jesus as the Messiah but those that, uh, that saw him as the Messiah were changed by it and he says if we see Jesus as the Messiah and we recognize ourselves remember the Pharisees Jesus uh, described the Pharisees as not needing a doctor you know I, I've come for those who are sick not for those who are well they thought they were well and so they didn't need Jesus but when we see our need for Christ, we see him for who he is, and we respond like Isaiah did. We see ourselves as people of unclean lips, dwelling among, uh, our peop- uh, among a people of unclean lips. And we see his glory, and repentance happens. God is open to that, and that's the way we become his children. Confessing our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, that's the message he's, he's proclaiming, first of all, is this message of light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. But if we confess our sins and we love the light and we re- re- respond to the light and repent, that he will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. More of his message in chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we know that we are in him, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So two other parts of the message that we have proclaimed that God has used to change our lives at the gathering place that is a distinctive of our church and stands in the face of a lot of the religion in our town and in our day is the grace of God. 
The first thing he says here is, is the beauty of the grace of God that Jesus became the propitiation for our sins. That God took our sins and laid them on Jesus and took his righteousness and gave it to us as a free gift. This is a message that has changed our hearts and it's a message that we need to be spreading to the world. This is the message that, that we need to give to people. People don't understand the imputed righteousness of Christ. Do, do y'all realize that? that? That the religious people in our town, the people that are filling up churches every day, that so many of them, high, high percentages of people who've grown up, particularly in our Baptist churches, don't understand the imputed righteousness of Christ. That you can do nothing to add to God, to, to make God uh, love you more or do more for you. That he's done it all for us in Christ. And it's disgraceful for us to think that we can add something to that to please God. God is totally pleased with us. What a great message that God's given us. And John is reminding them of this. This is the message that we spoke to you. This message of forgiveness of sin. This message of imputed righteousness that's been given to you as a free gift. And it is, it's the thing that motivates us. It's the thing that, that is our... It, we literally list grace as our motivation. It's one of our distinctives of our church. It's the motivation for us leading people to know God. But let me just ask you now to go ahead and evaluate yourself. I know that you've enjoyed the grace of God, but have, have you, has that become a motivation for you to share the grace of God with somebody else? I mean, John is overwhelmed by this. And he says, I, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. It's the grace of God that actually causes us not to sin. Now, Paul was a little bit, I mean, people were, many people were confused about that. And Paul addresses this when people say, well, should we sin more so that more grace may abound? <laughs> Paul says, you, you, God forbid, you're missing the point. And I can tell you, I grew up in a very legalistic religion. I grew up like most of you did. I had rules and regulations I was supposed to follow all of my life. And when I didn't do well, I felt like God was displeased with me and he was going to hurt somebody. Me or my pet or my car, something was going to be damaged because I didn't do right. And I never did warm up to God. And I, I couldn't say that because I was in the ministry already. I couldn't say that I didn't love God or feel love for God, but I can tell you now, when I discovered the grace of God, which was when we were uh, at Alpine years ago, I think Carrie was probably probably the only one that was actually in that Bible study. We sat around a room and studied the grace of God, transforming grace by um, Jerry Bridges. My life, for the first time, I saw grace for what it really was. And God totally transformed my heart. And I can't help but tell that. I tell it everywhere I go. Because if you don't understand the grace of God, then your motivation is going to be wrong. You know, we're trying to rededicate our lives to some list of rules and regulations. And God wants us to be overwhelmed by the grace that he gives. And and love him from our hearts and serve him from our hearts. And when we realize what he did for us and how he feels about us, all of a sudden, I've warmed up. I, now I want to do anything, everything that I can that God wants me to do because I want to know him more and I want to reveal him to the world around me. It's life-changing. He's the propitiation for our sins. Then he says, keep his word. And in keeping his word, his love is perfected. Now, we, we know what, what that means. At the gathering place, we talk about it all the time. 
We talk about abiding in Christ. Abiding is obeying his words. It's obeying Christ in everything. And he talks about that. He said, if we know him, uh, this is how we know we're in him. We walk in the way that he walked. This is how we know we're in him. Is, is that our, This is how we know that we know him is we obey his commandments. Because you can't know him, gnosko, knowledge by experience. You can't know God if you don't obey him. That's what abiding is. We obey, and then he reveals himself to us. If you don't obey, there is no revelation. I mean, there are some revelations, but there's no specific continual revelation of God to us that comes through obedience. This is what Jesus taught us when he talked about abiding. And so John is just repeating what we're about. And I just want to remind us again, this is, this is, this is who we are at the gathering place. I mean, it's beautiful that God brought this passage this week because it's, as we look back at what we were and the things that God's done, He has done these things. He has shown us the futility of dead religion. He's shown us the emptiness of the people around us and of our own lives. He rescued us from that by revealing who He was. And we've come to know Him by experience and now we share that with other people and, and we, the first thing we share is the grace of God. And then the second thing we share is within the grace of God, you can know God specifically through obedience. And this is what John was telling them. This is what we've taught you. Now the challenge for us. What's the commandment that flows from koinonia with the Father and with Jesus Christ and with each other? What, what's, what is the commandment that he gives? Look at it in verses 7 through 11. Beloved, I'm writing, to you, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Stay with me for this last section. Y'all with me? Say, oh yeah. This is, this is our challenge. This is where I believe the Lord has revealed that we are, we are at a place we need a specific challenge as we move forward in Colleen Church, in TGP West, TGP Wardville, as we continue to plant churches in different places. What's the commandment and the fruit? Love others. Our lives are about others. If you're abiding in Christ, this, if you really have come to discover the truth of who He is, then the commandment that He gives us is always tied to loving others. When you understand grace and the blessing of being directed by God in your personal decisions and he begins to reveal himself to you uh, and, and you begin to experience God in your own personal life and in your family, it, it's easy for the enemy to stop us, stop our minds from moving on to others. It's so easy because for the first time in our lives, most of us are breathing, right? We're taking a breath of fresh air. We're finally able to enjoy the Lord and we're fi finally able to see who, who He really is. And as we experience God in that, it's so easy for the enemy to say, now stop and just enjoy God. Just spend the rest of your life enjoying God. 
I believe God desires to move us forward into selfless love. You know, Scripture's all about selfless love, the kind of love that God wants to place and is placing in our hearts. It comes from the Father. This is the fruit of God. And it's in each one of us, but we need, to, we need to embrace it and walk in it. And that is selfless love, agape love, self-sacrificing love. That's the commandment. Jesus said it in the, in the abiding passages too. He said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this men will know you are what? My disciples. If you love one another. It's selfless love that is the fruit of our relationship to God. In the abiding passages, we haven't studied this much, but in the, after he talks about abiding and, and keeping his commandments, he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another. Now there's all kinds of things that God will command us to do. There's all kinds of things that he wants us to do and will speak to in our lives, and he'll be as specific as you want him to. But the reason why he gives us these things to do is not so we can sit back and just absorb and enjoy, but so that we can love others. It's supposed to be about us giving ourselves away to other people. I, I think a failure, if failure comes to our church, I think it's that all of us have, have, been, way too enjoy, have been enjoying the Lord way too much and not focusing enough on giving him away to others. And he wants to move our attention off of our own lives and onto the lives of the people around us. It's why he's called us to plant churches. It's why he's called us to, to, uh, to be in separate communities and not to let one church just expand and then build more stuff for ourselves. It's why he's called us to take our budget and take half of our budget and, and, and put it in missions around the world. It's why God keeps opening doors for us to minister in new places. The failure to abide, he says, results in fa- failure to obey. And so he's very clear in this passage that it's about others. He's not a new commandment. This is the old commandment. We need to embrace that. And as a church, here's our challenge today. Let's receive this message and move forward. Listen, he told the disciples in the next few verses. Let me read these and we'll close. Verse 12 through 17. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. All right? That's for you. Rejoice in that. Your children, your, uh, little children, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men because you have, oh, uh, by the way, you know him who is from the beginning. That's for you. I write to you children because you know the father. That's for you. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. That's for you. You've overcome the evil one. Good job for you. You've learned how to overcome the evil one by abiding. Then he says in verse 19 and 15, in summary of all this, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. For whoever does the will of the Father, the will of God abides forever. No new messages today, right? Other than the fact that, guys, listen, God intends for us to expand this beautiful thing that he's done in each of us. 
This beautiful koinonia of fellowship that we enjoy in this body is something that we need to pass on to other people. It's not something that we should be sitting on. And, and you feel it in your heart because you, I could say to you, good job, brothers and sisters. You've learned to walk and abide in Christ. You've learned to hear his voice. You've come to know him by experience. And we've shared these things over and over again uh, among our life groups and in our families. We've learned these things. Good job. You know, that's what I think John is saying. Great job. Now, be careful because here's what the enemy will do. You understand grace, you understand forgiveness, and you understand the blessing of God, and you know who God is, and now just enjoy the world. What? That makes sense. Now just be selfish. Just, just fill your life with things for you. No. Continue to abide in Christ. We need to make this shift as we move forward. This needs to be a major understanding for us as gathering place churches that from now on, as we move forward, that yes, we are introducing people to a new life, a new understanding of Jesus, a personal touch with a person, Christ, something beyond something they've ever experienced in their life, and they will embrace it and they will be changed as we've seen over and over again. But then also, we are in fellowship with one another to bring the light to the world. A world that that's many of them will not want to have anything to do with the light, but they need the opportunity to reject it. And we just need to share. Very naturally, we just need to open ourselves up and allow God to, to open at the doors that he's already opened. Allow him to speak through us into the lives of people around us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the consistent message that you've given us today. By your spirit, God, you've you guided us again to, to understand truth. And now, Father, comes the hard part and the, and the part that the enemy hates and will distract and destroy if he can. And that is that we would bring life to others. Father, we, we are not enamored by the number of churches that we can plant. We're not blown away by the number of ministries that we can start. We're not uh, fascinated by filling churches with people. But God, you've done something in us. You've shown us the beauty of who you are, and we have fallen in love with you. Our hearts are full because of who you've shown us you are. As we abide, as we continue to abide in you and you reveal yourself. God, that's something the world needs. I just pray that you'll fill our hearts to overflowing, that the streams of water, that uh, as we have drunk from these streams, God, that those streams of water flow out of us, that we would become living, streams of living water to the world around us. Challenge our hearts in this. Help us to know exactly what to do with this message today, how to expand and move into other places with this message the place is not a church building. That's not where it needs to be. But in our community, in our, in our neighborhoods, God, in the, with the people that we work with, everybody needs this message. Help us, God, as we continue to be obedient to you. May your glory be seen in Jesus' name.